This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Let's keep talking now about the big story of the day. That's the continuing testimony in Ottawa on the SNC-Lavalin affair. Two major Ottawa power players on the witness stand today. Gerald Butts, the former principal secretary to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and Michael Wernick, the clerk of the Privy Council. He's the top civil servant in the government. Now, remember, both of these guys were named last week by Jody Wilson-Raybould, the former attorney general. She said they were among the 11 senior officials in the government who were pressuring her to give that uh, special deal to SNC-Lavalin so they could avoid criminal prosecution and conviction on charges there. Both of them on the witness stand today, pushing back against that narrative, denying that they pressured her, insisting that she always had the call and the power on what to do on this file. Have a little listen to this. This is Jerry Butts from earlier today. We had a view which was informed by Department of Justice advice that it would be appropriate for her to seek independent advice from an eminent Canadian jurist or panel of jurists. We believe that this was appropriate, first, because the law empowering the Attorney General to use remediation agreements is new. Indeed, this was the first time that entering into a remediation agreement under the new regime was even possible. Second, we felt that outside advice was appropriate because of the extraordinary circumstances of a conviction. The fact that the company involved employs so many people across the country heightened the public importance of the matter. That was the entirety of our advice to the Attorney General, which we made clear she was free to accept or not. We also made clear that if the Attorney General accepted our proposal and took external advice, she was equally free to reject reject or accept that advice. It was not about second-guessing the decision. It was about ensuring that the Attorney General was making her decision with the absolute best evidence possible. When you boil it all down, all we ever asked the Attorney General to do was to consider a second opinion. Gerald Butts, the former Principal Secretary to the Prime Minister. Now here's another interesting development on this today. The Liberals used their majority on that Justice Committee today to vote down a motion to recall Jody Wilson-Raybould to the witness stand to respond to this new information today. Now, let me give you an update on that. Just in the last few minutes, we got a statement here from Jody Wilson-Raybould. She says, quote, I would, of course, make myself available to the committee if requested to give additional testimony, to answer any further questions, and to provide further clarity that may be required. As I indicated last week, my statement to the committee was not a complete account, but only a detailed summary. She's ready to talk again. She's ready to go back on the witness stand again. And yet you've got these liberal MPs today saying they don't want to hear from her, voting that down. That's the latest on this. Let's check in now with Laura Babcock now. She's a communication strategist and a political commentator. She's president of Power Group Communications in Toronto. Very pleased to welcome her. Hi, Laura. Hi, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for coming on. What do you think about the, the events of today? Your thoughts? 
Well, I think that Gerald Butts did what he was expected to do. He put out there an alternative narrative. He muddied the waters a little bit. He suggested that he wasn't there to, you know, in any way cast aspersions on the Attorney General, but he effectively discounted her story. So if you listen to all of it, he said multiple times that she had a different recollection or a different interpretation, and maybe she was looking at things through a reframe of trust having been broken, so things looked a certain way to her. The problem, of course, with that is that with all of the different people from his office that were talking to her and all of the different interactions, one would have to assume that she misinterpreted all of it, that yeah. it, you know all of their, their sort of full-court press on her to get external opinions on her own judgment, that that was just something that she misunderstood every time. When she's the only yeah. lawyer, they said them, he said them himself, he was not a lawyer. Uh, and so when you have the top lawyer saying, what's happening here, I don't like this pressure, this has got to stop, and they continued to do it, uh, you have to kind of put that within context. I think what he was not able to do, though, was in any way get Trudeau out of this situation because he could not answer the real thing that Jody brought up in her testimony last week, which which is that the Prime Minister said, you know, I'm an MP in Papineau. That's yeah. the implication that this decision on SNC-Lavalin had a political motivation behind it. So while he was able to sort of give a different understanding of all of their interactions, and put the blame on her for not communicating effectively or proactively enough, he couldn't address what was underlying her concerns in the beginning, which was that this had a political motivation. And when he tried to say that he really had no outcome he was seeking, that they were just simply trying to give her sort of legal assistance, if you will, by suggesting an outside counsel, give her some opinions, uh, that didn't square for me listening when he was being challenged by rate and when he started talking in great detail about what it was like growing up on the East Coast and the possibility of losing a company and the devastation to a community. So either, right. either he really did care about those jobs or he didn't care about those jobs and the other question i would just pose from his testimony that i don't think really squared was that on the one hand they're saying they were less safe fair and it was all up to her to communicate what she needed but on the other hand uh, when she had made a decision or when she was considering a decision they wouldn't leave her alone they needed to have influence so are they micromanagers or are they laissez-faire leaders it was a little hard to take everything that he said and square it with some of his other points. Yeah, I mean, they, they wouldn't leave her alone. They continued the lobbying, or as Michael Wernick called it today, the lawful advocacy. That's that's the words that he used. She calls it pressure. They, he calls it lawful advocacy, but it didn't really seem to stop. It went on for months, according according to her. And then when she wouldn't budge, she was removed as the attorney general. Now, they got into testimony on that one today as well, Laura. And again, they bring up this whole Scott Bryson uh, explanation that his resignation from cabinet earlier somehow started this domino effect that forced Trudeau to move her. I mean, are the public supposed to buy that when he's got they got such a a massive pool of talented people in that caucus he could have put in that cabinet? No, I think they overplayed their hand on that one. I don't think that that passes the sniff test. The fact of the matter is they have a lot of people they could pull. If it was so incredibly important uh, that 
they had her and, you know, they tried to move her to Indigenous Affairs, which we heard about. She wouldn't do it because she'd always opposed the Indian Act. And, you know, somehow they hadn't figured that out. And then they sort of said, well, she's not allowed to pick and choose what she does. I mean, that whole story around if Scott Bryson hadn't quit, uh, none of this would have happened. Well, if you really wanted her to stay in her role... Uh, you, as Justice Minister and Attorney General, she, you could have kept her there. There was sure. nothing in that Scott Bryson long played out story about how they were worried about losing votes. Uh, none of that convinced anyone listening to it that their only option was to effectively demote her, especially given the fact that we heard that, you know, from Wernick last time that, that the Prime Minister was in a mood and he's going to make it happen one way or another, which is what she'd considered to be a veiled threat. I actually thought right. that Wernick did them a lot more damage than we saw from Bryson because he seemed to be angry. He seemed to almost, you know, be in a bit of a fit of peak. He didn't like that. He had some rough social media since his testimony. And I mean, really, when you think about it, there's a power differential here. What we have here is the most powerful unelected official in butts. We've got the most powerful bureaucrat in Ornick. And both of them are saying that every single meeting that they had, every communication that they had with this, intelligent lawyer this woman she misinterpreted all of it that she she somehow took it the wrong way and then oops she was demoted but that wasn't their fault either so i don't think that they can be that powerful and play this kind of passive observer with unintended consequence that keeps happening to them you know they're victims of circumstance i don't think that canadians when they look at the whole of it are going to buy that and the fact that the liberal dominated committee don't want to have Raybone back. They voted that down. Uh, I think it just says that they're scared because she wasn't allowed to talk about things around the cabinet shuffle that clearly Terry Butts was able to talk about. So now we've heard more of his side than we've been able to hear of her side. And I don't think Canadians will sit well with that. Speaking to Laura Babcock from Power Group Communications in in Toronto, just just lastly, Laura, on that issue of whether Jody Wilson-Raybould should be recalled to testify again in front of this committee, I think that would be a wise and prudent move, given the new information that we heard today. We've just had a statement from Jody Wilson-Raybould here in the last, probably in the last 30 minutes. She's willing to come back. She's willing to give more testimony. She's willing to give more explanation. And yet these Liberal MPs don't want to hear from her now. They voted that down. How does that look to the public? Well, it looks bad. And you have to also remember the factor here is Philpott. This is, a you know, another minister. So if you're saying that, if we listen and believe the new narrative that they're trying to float from the PMO, that, uh, no, no, you know, this is just a misinterpretation by Raybould. Well, what about Philpott? Is she also mm. someone who got it wrong when she heard all the details of this? Are, are both women now not to be believed? Or as Sheila Cox tried to come out and say yesterday, they need to, they're boils that need to be lanced? Uh, I think that these women are becoming more and more powerful as this drags on. And the idea that they don't get to be heard from, that they are somehow being shut down, I don't think that's going to fly with Canadians. And I don't think that they're incapable of going to the media or finding another route to have their truth told on this. This is an international story now. It goes to Canada's credibility around our adherence to our rule of law. It goes to the feminist brand of our prime minister. And the world is watching. And these two women are coming across as being completely credible, standing on their integrity, and the Prime Minister's office so far has not done what they need to do, which is to put Trudeau out in front of Canadians to explain all of this. Mm. Laura, thanks for coming on with your thoughts today. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Laura Babcock, she's with Power Group Communications in Toronto.